What's going on, Irregulars? Welcome back on another Thursday. We had last Thursday off for Thanksgiving. Hope everyone had a good holiday. Today, I am going to be recording an episode uh, without my co-host, Sarah. Sarah, uh, she got ronad in the butt. And uh, unfortunately, no, she didn't actually get the Rona, but she was exposed and we do record at my parents' house and we just want to make sure that everyone stays safe. So she's going to quarantine for a couple more days and uh, she'll be back sometime next week, I believe so, and we'll get this going. But in the meantime, uh, Thanksgiving was, was good. It was, you know, had some time with my family here, got to spend a lot of time with some friends as well. Um, one crazy thing that actually happened to me was on a Sunday, I went out to the bar with like a group of friends and there was like a decent amount of us. And we racked up a fucking $1,400 tab at our local dive bar and which is like insane. And we go to pay for the meal or for everything. And the homeboy at the end who I had met that day, didn't know who he was. Shout out to Gus picked up the whole tab. And I was like, my guy, like, we got to we gotta do something about this. And he just, like, wouldn't let me and all that stuff. So I just thought that that was a really cool story to share with you guys that, you know, there are good people out there. And, you know, for some reason he felt that he wanted us to, you know, have a free meal and have a bunch of free drinks on him. And that was really cool of him. And I can't uh, – I haven't stopped thinking about it since. I thought it was, I thought it was really cool of him and – Hopefully I run into him again and hopefully I can pay for his fucking tab next time. But, um, yeah, I've never seen the guy before and I probably won't run into him anytime soon, but Gus, you're the fucking man. Shout out to you this week, uh, clearly is a little different. Like I said, without Sarah being here, but I didn't want to sit here and obviously just talking to him like by myself because I, I wouldn't even want to hear myself talk let alone um, you guys listening to me talk for an hour straight. So today I brought on someone who uh, who I've been friends with for a very, very long time, very interesting person. Um, so I would like to introduce my buddy, Tyler. How you doing, Tyler? What's going on, Bobby? How you doing, Irregular Nation? <laughs> Sorry, Bobby's yelling at me because I'm, I'm walking away from the mic here. How's yeah. everybody doing? There we go. So, Tyler, we're going to start this off with the age-all question that I think we forgot to ask our last two guests, but I think his both their stories, you know, or uh, both their episodes kind of explained to them why they were irregular. But why do you think you're an irregular? You know, Bobby, when you first introduced this concept of a podcast and the whole theme behind irregular, I, I think it, what really jumps out the most is what is normal, what is regular, and I, I don't think anybody really has a a perfect definition of regular. Um, so I, I think everybody in, in a sense is irregular to the fact that in your own family or your own social circles, your group of friends, you, you may be regular, but no two people are the same, even in, in the same social group, the same cohorts. So I think everybody to a degree is, is irregular. And then it's, it's as much of your own persona, how much you branch out, how much you project yourself to really define who you are, which really generates that, that definition of, everybody is irregular and everybody can relate to the fact that we aren't all the same. While we may have some similar aspects to ourselves, no two people are the same. So everybody is irregular. That's a solid fucking answer. I'm not going to lie. I never, um, you know, cause like, I, like you mentioned the, the concept of the podcast is to just 
talk to people who are quote unquote regular and you know especially now with 2020 i mean what is the joke what is normal you know what i mean everyone's like oh let's get back to normal and you're like jesus after this fucking year like what is normal so i think that it's a really interesting point of view and thanks for thanks for bringing that up i've known you probably what i don't know since fuck like 10 or something like that easily so yeah 10 years old so we're both 29 now so it's been almost two decades um ever since i've known ty ty's been someone to always the guy to help somebody else you know he's always a helping hand and all that and which led him into his first career which was being a paramedic so tell me what that was like what and your journey leading to becoming a paramedic I think being a paramedic is awesome. Like you, you truly, you get into healthcare and any, any line of healthcare, whether it's emergency medicine or, or anything at any level, um, you get into healthcare because you, you genuinely want to help people. You, you want to make a difference. You want to be able to, to go to sleep at night knowing I helped somebody out. I made a difference in somebody's life, whether it was something as simple as picking them up and taking them to the hospital because they stubbed their toe or something as serious as a cardiac arrest. Um, I mean, that's, and for those who don't know, like cardiac arrest is essentially you die. And then we, we do certain things to kind of jumpstart the heart, almost reboot the system a little bit and get some life going. Um, and anything from the stub toe to somebody dying, anything in between there to delivering babies to just anything you can possibly imagine, aside from the stuff you see in Hollywood and the crazy TV shows. This is true. Um, but you, you, you really get to do a lot and you really get to make a difference on, on, various different levels. Um, I, I think the, the reason originally why I got into healthcare is like I said, I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to help people. I, interestingly enough, I took a EMT class when I was a freshman at the university of Pittsburgh and the, uh, the class was a prereq for an athletic training or a physical therapy major. And I took the class and I was like, this is actually interesting. Like, you mean I actually get to like touch patients and like make a difference? Like, I don't mean touch people. Yeah, like, not all, in a weird like, way. <laughs> yeah, not, not in a weird way at all, right? No, like get, get my hands on somebody, you know, really get to feel. No, I'm kidding. Um, but no, like you, you actually, you, you physically get to make a difference. And I, I really was drawn to that. And then after I took that my freshman year, um, the following year, um, when I was signed up for classes for the last two years, you had to declare a major after your sophomore year. Um, I really looked into the emergency medicine program at the University of Pittsburgh, and I, I was hooked. I mean, they were they had the paramedic program, so I was 20 years old when I became a paramedic, just before my 21st birthday. And there's there's people I meet nowadays that are 30, 40, 50 years old, and they've never even thought about going to get their medic. They've just they're content with being an EMT. But it was just the the amount of experience and the amount of knowledge that I was able to to pick up at such a young age was, was very beneficial. Wait, so what's the difference? I mean, uh, we all know anyone who's ever listened to this podcast knows that I'm a moron. So, and totally ignorant to things, but that's why I like having a podcast because it opens my mind to different ways of thoughts and whatnot. But what the fuck is the difference between a paramedic and an EMT? So it's like asking, you know, how everyone's like, you know, uh, a pony isn't a baby horse. Like, well, what the fuck is yours? You know what I mean? You're like, so we, I, I get this all the time. Um, so, in Pennsylvania, the actual title is an EMT basic or an EMT paramedic. So, yes, we both drive the ambulance. It's not only one person drives. We both get to drive the ambulance. Best part. Yes. Um, but it, it's it's a matter of the, the level of care that you're able to provide. So, um, for short of offending anybody that, that might be an EMT, I, I, I remember where I came from. I was an EMT before a paramedic. Um, an EMT skill set via the protocols are very minimal in the sense that, there's 
up until recently, there's very few medications that an EMT can provide. Most of the time, the medications that they can administer are the medications that belong to the patient. So let's say, Bobby, you call 911 and you have asthma and you have an inhaler. An EMT can help you use your inhaler, but an EMT can't give you that same medicine that's in your inhaler that we carry on the ambulance. Now, like I said, up until recently, they've changed that to where now EMTs can administer those breathing treatments, but it just shows you like kind of how dramatic the the actual certification, um, the, the scope of practice that you really have and how limited it is as an EMT. Whereas a paramedic is able to do all sorts of things. So like starting IVs, administering medications, pushing the fancy buttons on the monitor to, to help oh, adjust yeah. the, uh, the rhythms, right? Shocking everybody and, and slowing the heart rate down or speeding it up, whatever's needed. Wait, so an EMT can't administer an IV? Like they can't put an IV in? Correct. An, an EMT basic cannot do all that. You have to either be an EMT I or EMT advanced or a, a paramedic in order to do so. I mean, I don't fucking like needles, so like I and I'm never gonna be an EMT. Says a guy with tattoos. Yeah, I know, but that's different. It's different. Trust me. Um, you have tattoos too. I know. So, but I'm yeah. not afraid of needles. Oh uh, yeah, fuck me, right? So um, no, yeah, I, I I don't fuck with that. But that's crazy to think, like, because again, I'm ignorant as fuck. I don't know the difference, but it's crazy to think that like someone who rides around in a fucking ambulance and drives it and all that shit can't stick you with an, an IV if you need it. Right. Yeah. That's and wild. so like not, not again, I'm not taking anything away from EMT basics because like I said, I was an EMT basic. I've saved a lot of people's lives only doing the skills that I've learned as an EMT basic without even having to touch the toolkit as we call it as a paramedic. Um, but if you're sick and you need to go to the hospital, I'm going to be your, your provider. If if you, you kind of have a tummy ache or you stubbed your toe or you got that migraine that's persisting for however many days or whatever bullshit excuse that people want to go to the hospital nowadays for seeking pain meds or what have you, um, it's it's going to be the EMT basic that that's going to be your, your healthcare provider. So if you're sick, you get me. If you're not, I'm the one driving like a jackass hitting every bump in the, in the driver's seat. Fair enough. All right, so... I have to ask, and I'm sure everyone has asked you, what is the craziest story of being on an ambulance call or anything like that? What? Give me like the first one that jumps out of your mind. You're like, oh, that was a fucking wild situation. It can be funny. It could be gross. It could be like rewarding, whatever. Just pick one where you're just like, oh, fuck, like that was pretty wild. And then one that you would brag about, I guess you would say. Um. See, I, it's, it's, it's the hardest question to answer. Everybody always says, what's the craziest thing you've ever seen? Or what's the worst thing you've ever seen? So I'll, I'll go with the only time in my life that I've ever been scared for my own safety. Um, we'll, we'll go with this story. So there, there's definitely a backstory to it. So you guys are listening to the podcast. You're stuck. You got to hear this little preface. Um, I used to work out at a local gym and there was always this guy that sat in a sauna. He was just that weird dude. You knew like something, something was off about him, <laughs> but I'm a personal person. Did he wear no pants in the sauna? Are you supposed to wear pants in the sauna? I don't know. I don't go in yeah, the yeah, sauna. No, no, nobody wears pants in the sauna. Oh, okay. Um, so he's, he's he would just always sit there. And like I would always get in there before my workout, warm up, sweat out the toxins from the night before, just get loose a little bit, listen to music, get in, get in the right zone. Well, this dude would sit in there for hours. And hey, there's nothing wrong with it to each their own, but he'd sit there for hours. So I'd slowly like have conversations with him, like, you know, like nothing short of comparing our penises or anything like that. But <laughs> we, uh, we, we just like, Hey, how are you? What are you doing today? That's cool. Good. Good for you. Well, wouldn't you know it fast forward to these small little encounters. Um, we get this call. Somebody had managed to drive their vehicle over a curb down an embankment through a fence at a Chili's restaurant. 
Nice. Chili's restaurant. Like, I don't, I don't know how many people, I, I assume Chili's is a nationwide um, franchise, but like when I think of Chili's, I think of The Office, right? Yeah, it's this tiny little like place you go to, whatever. Like, it can't get too crazy unless it's margaritas or whatever that Pam's getting they, into. They limit, yeah, they limit you to three drinks and that's it. You right, know right. I mean? So there's no way somebody could get that wasted at a Chili's. Well, so again, this is kind of getting back into the medicine part. So when when somebody's unresponsive, as this gentleman was slouched over his wheel, the first thing we do, we try to arouse him. And we really don't get anything out of him. So I, I notice his skin's diaphoretic. Not sexually aroused. Too, no, no, no. Yeah. But, you got, sometimes you might have to reiterate some shit like that yeah, on this yeah. podcast. But, you but never I, know. I, I can tell you, and this, this is coming from both a paramedic and somebody who may or may not be able to provide legal advice. Full <laughs> disclaimer, I am not your attorney. I am not providing legal advice right now. If you wear a glove and you are a healthcare provider acting out of the capacity as a healthcare provider, it's just a physical exam. Oh my god. So as long as long as you are <laughs> conducting a physical exam, it's not assault or battery. Okay. So anyways, lawyer. Um, yeah, lawyer. <laughs> let, let, let's get back to the more serious <laughs> stuff here. So um we so what we try to do, we try to arouse him. And that's just basically stimulate him whether it's verbal like hey, how are you sir, wake up, like are you alive? Or it's by by um, painful stimulus, as we call it, and it can be something as simple as just like like lifting up their eyelids, squeezing their trap, or giving them a sternal rub. Which, if you've never gotten one and you've received one unexpectedly, it's one of the most jolting sensations that you'll ever feel because you literally are just completely startled. The the nerves and the, the sensitivity in in the sternum, you're just like, holy shit, what was that? I'm awake. Here I am. I want you to do that to me later. Yeah, yeah, definitely, right. definitely. Uh, and I'll, yeah. I'll wear a glove that way. It's there just we go. Then exam. I don't have to fucking sue you. Or right, right. Um, so, so nothing, nothing's waking him up. So I'm thinking, okay, he's got a pulse. He's breathing. This is either a drug overdose or he's a diabetic, and he he took too much insulin, didn't eat enough sugar. So we check his sugar, and his sugar is low. And your normal sugar, for those of you who are unaware, is between sixty and one hundred. That's that's where you want to be between 60 and 100. So this guy was like 22, which is pretty pretty low. Definitely not the lowest I've ever been to, but pretty low. So we we juice him up with uh, with glucagon, and uh, he he's starting to come around. So but but not quick enough. So we give him dextrose through the IV. So we start an IV on him, give him dextrose, and he wakes up. He's all confused, all disoriented, doesn't really quite know what's going on. So I'm looking at this dude. I'm like, holy shit! Like I know this guy. This is the guy from the sauna. Like, all right, awesome. We got a good rapport already. He knows me. I know him. Well, he forgot that he knew who I was. So we're in the back of the ambulance, and we this is probably about 10 minutes away from the hospital, and we, we jump on one of the highways, which we can go about 50 miles per hour, um, normal traffic. So in an ambulance, if it was an emergency, we could probably get up to about 65, 70 if we wanted to break the law and not abide by the speed limit. Nice. We would never go faster than the speed limit. <laughs> wink, wink. Never. Um, so after the glucagon and the, the dextrose kick in, is like so obviously his sugar's coming up and he's starting to become more alert of what's going on. Something in my man's mind just switches. And what I didn't know is he's not a diabetic. He should not be taking insulin. However, he proceeded to take his dog's insulin and tried to overdose and kill himself. So he tried to kill himself with insulin. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. nuts. I've, I've only ever seen this that I was able to confirm it once. I'm not saying people don't do it often or whatever. I don't know how common it is. But this dude was trying to take his life with his dog's insulin. 
So basically what happens is when when that ha- when you, you overdose on insulin, which is crazy, but if diabetics who take their insulin but don't eat enough sugar, it can end up resulting in uh, multiple organ failure. So this guy was was certainly trying to take his own life. So we're, we're in the back of the bus now, which is what we nerds call an ambulance. Um, so we're in the back of the bus, and I'm just like small talk with him. Like I said, something switches. He jumps up out of the stretcher. There were three straps on him. He figured out how to wiggle his way out of him without even taking the straps off jumps up off the stretcher, rips his IV out. So he's got blood pouring down his arm and he's standing across the stretcher as I'm sitting down, definitely wearing a seatbelt, <laughs> as I'm sitting down in the stretcher and he uh, he's screaming at me. I, t- to be honest, I don't even know what he's saying, but I just knew, holy shit, there's this big dude, like he's, he's buff, he's, he's strong, he works out. There's this big dude standing over me and one or two things are gonna happen. Either I'm walking out of here, we're both walking out of here, I guess I said one or two. Well, there's there's a lot of versions. <laughs> or he's not walking out of here because I'm going to sedate his, his ass, whether it's through physical restraint or through the medicine that I have in my back pocket. So he stands up and he's screaming. He's motherfucking me and all this stuff. And I'm yelling up to my partner who's driving. I'm screaming, Joe, Joe, stop. Like, you got to stop this bus now. And he's like, what? I was like, brakes. So he slams on the brakes. And like I said, I was sitting down with my seatbelt on. Um, I found the bar to grab onto and he's my partner slams on the brakes. My dude smacks right into what we call the, the captain's chair. Luckily for him, it was padded. His head smacks on the back of this chair. He falls down and now he's stuck between the, the stretcher and the wall on the other, on the opposite side. So I'm like, okay, good. So my partner runs around, opens up the back. I'm now standing on top of him with my foot on his chest and my other foot on the stretcher, I'm like, are you going to calm down or do I need to sedate your ass? And he's like, I'm good, I'm good. And I was like, no, are you going to calm down or am I going to sedate you? And he's like, I'm good. And I'm like, bro, you know me. Look at me. You know me from the gym. You know me. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I know you. I'm good. I'm good. I won't hurt you. I'm good. So after hearing oh, this guy's man. story, so he he is he's, he's closeted. He's... He's divorced from his wife. Apparently, his son didn't want to spend the holidays with him because he knew that his dad had a boyfriend. So his dad... Oh, right. shit. So the patient didn't want to invite his boyfriend to his house over the holidays because... How the turntables. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So this this is why he tried to kill himself. So the, the son didn't want to spend the holidays with him because he was gay and he didn't want to be around the boyfriend. The boyfriend, or the, the patient tried to beg the boyfriend to stay away from the holiday so he could spend time with his son. Well, the boyfriend's like, listen, if you're going to hide me from your kid, I'm out. Like, I'm not, I'm not yeah. dealing with this, right? Um, so he's he pretty much lost everything around the holidays. Holidays are very depressing. Everybody keep your heads up. Keep your spirits up. You're important. Somebody loves you. Somebody in this group cares about you. Um, but he, uh, so he was trying to take his life. So he's, he's telling me all this stuff on the way to the hospital. So I'm like, all right, like, we're good. We got a good rapport now. As soon as we get him into the the um, the patient room in the emergency department, he proceeds to rip the IV pole from the ceiling. And now, so like an IV pole is essentially like three feet long and it's on a track on the ceiling to slide from the left side of the room to the right side of the room as needed. Well, he rips it down. So now he's got a three foot staff that, that he's wielding. <laughs> a weapon. Right. So everybody's like, okay, well, we're not playing. We're not playing. We're, we're just going to call the cops, like have them tase him or do something because we can't even get to him to chemically sedate him. So, we kind of get him cornered in the back room and my man 
picks up the exam bed, the patient bed that he's supposed to lay on. These things are probably 400 plus pounds. Like they're, <laughs> they're, they're crazy. And there's hydraulics in them to raise and lift the bed that can go up to 600 pounds. Hydraulics are fucking heavy right. too. So, so my, my man, I, I told you he was strong. Homeboy was strong. Like if, if he wanted to rip my arm off, he probably could rip my arm off. And uh, so he picks up this bed and flings the one end across the room like maybe two or three feet, but if in, in the room, there's three feet on either side of the bed in, in these, these small emergency rooms. So he's, he's just, he's wreaking havoc. So I, I'm finally like, I'm like, yo buddy. I was like, if you calm down, if you do what you're supposed to be told, they'll let you leave. Like they don't want you here if you don't want to be here. And if you don't need to be here, they'll let you go. And he's like, Oh really? I was like, yeah. He goes, oh, okay. And, and then, then just shuts down. And then just, it's about, and then just shuts down. So I, I go from like, Here's this crazy dope that tried to kill himself with his dog's insulin to, holy shit, I might actually get into a fight at work. To, <laughs> this man has no affliction on his face at all. Like, he just, he doesn't care how he's going to get out of this ambulance. He's just going to get out of the ambulance to, oh, yeah, bro, you're right. I know you. I'm good. I'll calm down. To and throw then, on a fucking And then to doing it all over again at the hospital. <laughs> yeah. That's fucking wild, bro. Yeah. yeah. Dude, I would probably like after like I was done with that patient, I'd be like, I'm I'm gonna go take a nap. Like, nah, we, we we got dinner. Yeah, we went to the diner that's open twenty four seven. We got dinner. Yeah, I'm like, dude. Yeah, you just get get a fucking uh, meat lovers omelet or something like that, and you're like, that was fucking crazy. And then you just go about your day. I couldn't do that shit, man. Yeah, that's fucking. But yeah, so that that's probably the 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 only situation I've ever been in in my life where I actually feared for my life, and so, it was at work. That's fucking wild. I like that. I've never had a situation like that at any of my fucking jobs. Definitely not doing this podcast either. So, because we're in my parents' basement, it's pretty safe down here. But what was, um, to like lead into uh, what I want to dive into with you is what was like the most frustrating thing? What I think you're going to say is one of the most frustrating things being a paramedic, like as far as what you deal with. Yeah, so I would say the biggest thing was the entitlement of of people, like human nature and how entitled individuals felt, and then the lack of gratitude. So like the way that EMS works is if you or somebody close to you calls 911, it's because they believe there is an emergency or because you believe it's there's an emergency and you need to go to the hospital. So the amount of times that we would respond to a 911 call and the patient or the person who called was just disrespectful, blatantly rude, and ungrateful for the fact that we literally showed up to your house. I work nights, by the way, so I work 6 p.m. till 6 a.m. So, like, when I say we showed up to your house at 2 o'clock, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. Mm. Like, I get it. I signed up for it. I worked nights, seven nights straight, seven nights off for seven years, I believe. Six, yeah, when six, we lived together, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, six, yeah. six or seven years. So, like... I don't care that I'm coming to your house at two o'clock, but to a regular person, like if you're calling 911 at two o'clock in the morning, your fucking neighbors know, right? You know what like I mean? everybody's going to know, but like it better be for something serious. Like otherwise, like what, what do you need to go to the hospital for at 2 a.m.? Um, I would like to think that's the last place anybody would want to go to when they have a bed to sleep in. Um, so it just, just how ungrateful people were. Um, and then you, you get into healthcare, like I said, I got into it because I was young and I wanted to help people and I really had the passion to do so. But you slowly start to turn the, the mindset of, wow, I really want to help people to, man, people suck. 
Like <laughs> people are just the worst. Like you, you're literally doing a service for the community. And like, we, we never ask for any recognition cause we still get paid. Like I, this was my job. So I'm not looking for, for plaques or trophies or certificates that say, Hey, you're the best. You showed up good, to my house. Yeah. Good job at getting paid what you to do what yeah, you yeah. did. Good you job I mean? at doing your job that's yeah. expected of you. Right. Yeah. No, but like I, I expect to not have to deal with the opposite. I expect to not have to deal with people literally covered in shit and wanting to throw that shit at me to, to dealing with people who are throwing up who, okay, here, you're throwing up, let me give you some medicine, and I'll give you a bag in case you continue to throw up, to where now they're in my personal space and literally puking in my lap because they can't sit still on the stretcher because it's not safe. I'm like, bitch, I'm four feet away from the head of the stretcher, and you're leaning four feet into my lap. Like, what is wrong with you? Like, how much disconnect do you have as a human being to think this is okay? Mm. So... Like I, I, I just say that the shit filter got got too full to the point that I just I couldn't do it anymore. Like I said, I was working full time nights, so the, the shift the shift kind of was miserable in the sense that I would lose a day before my my work week started and a day after just to kind of reset my body. So that that was definitely yeah tough. for like your sleep schedule. Yep, and yeah, shit like yep, that. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, like I said, you just feel like you're not being appreciated. And what's the number one reason why anybody ever leaves a job? Because you feel like you're not being appreciated. So well, why, why does anyone do anything that they do because they want to feel appreciated? Right, no exactly. one wants to do, hey, I'm going to go do this because I want to get shit on. Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? Like, yeah. You know what sounds good to say? Get yeah, shit on. Yeah. yeah, sign me up. I want to do that. Right. You're like, what the fuck? No. But um, so uh, as you know, and you've met Sarah before and all that stuff, and We've discussed it on a previous episode as far as uh, as drug addiction. Obviously, I know from personal experience because I used to live with you. Um, and obviously, you're one of my good friends. So I've talked to you about this shit. But, you know, what was your experience with, like, drug addicts and stuff? Yeah, so this... From, from, a, from a paramedic right. standpoint. Yeah, because yeah. we talked about it from, like, a user standpoint. And then we talked about it from a someone who is totally oblivious to drugs standpoint, which is me. And then now I just want to get like, okay, well the people, you know, when people OD and shit like that, like, what do you think of this shit? You know, what do you think of this quote unquote, you know, drug pandemic that's literally going on as we speak? Yeah. So it's, it's definitely, it's, it's not a pandemic. It's an epidemic. Like just in the, in the fact What the that fuck is the difference? <laughs> Don't tell me COVID's about to be an epidemic. Is it an epidemic? I mean, it's, we'll see how long it lasts. Oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, okay. it's, it's, COVID's all messed up. It's all made up. <laughs> oh, hell, oh, gosh. <laughs> no, COVID is real. Um, so, for, so, yeah, this is, this is my experience. And I, I mentioned I, I went to the University of Pittsburgh. That's where I became a medic. I worked in the city for a little bit. I worked outside of the city for about nine months. And then I moved back to this area, one of the suburbs outside of Philadelphia, which uh, we have the, what we call the R5. So it's a train that literally runs from Philly to the suburbs. Um, so I've I've been around enough of heroin to to really have a, a genuine perspective. You from can my validate experience. your opinion, right? To yeah. be to almost be factual, right? To a, you know, I mean, everything's an opinion yeah, nowadays. Yeah. But yeah. like, it, you, whatever you're about to say is yeah, yeah. pretty much walking the line of opinion and fact, right? So there are definitely healthcare providers who do not share my opinion and to each their own. I mean, so, so let, we'll just jump from my very first experience with Narcan. So when I was in medic class, like Narcan saves lives. Narcan literally saves lives. 
So when, when you overdose, your respiratory rate shuts down, you stop breathing, your body no longer gets oxygen, you die. Um, so when we give Narcan, especially as a young paramedic student or a young medic, it's like, oh, bro, like you, you almost celebrate it. Like, dude, I saved somebody's life. Like I got to give yeah, Narcan. Yeah, like it dude. was crazy. Like this is awesome. Yeah, that guy almost died and I saved him. Narcan's a wonder drug. Um, but the, the time that I spent literally in, in Pittsburgh and, and I'm not saying Pittsburgh's a terrible, terrible city, but it's a city, you know what I mean? So you're, you're bound to see, a they're more, all the fucking same. Yeah. You're bound, you're bound to see a more dense population of, of anything, whether it's heroin or, um, heart attacks or whatever, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're just having more patients, more, a, a more dense um, demographic. So I may have administered Narcan in my two years working in in or outside of Pittsburgh, maybe three times, maybe oh. maybe three times. Um, when I moved back home, the first year, so this was 2013 into 2014, not so bad. 2014 hits. This is the peak of the heroin epidemic, oh. and it was insane. So again, in two years, administer it three times. I would literally carry Narcan in every single one of my pants pockets. So they're essentially like cargo pants. So I, I got uh, shorts or pockets on my, my left thigh, pockets on my right thigh, pants pockets in the back, pants pockets in the front. Yeah, I pr- I've seen you. You look like fucking, you know, G.I. Joe Commando before you go like to I'm, work. I'm going to say some lies, man. You motherfucker. <laughs> um, so so I, I'm loaded up with Narcan on all of these shifts because now I'm seeing three or four over, overdoses a night. That's fucking insane. A night. And so like the way that our county, it's county-based um, EMS um, accreditation, sorry. So the, the county basically dictates the protocols we can do, and we have our dispatcher covers certain parts of the county. So we can hear everything that's going on in the county as far as EMS calls. So if we start to hear in Norristown, which is a, a shorter stop from the city towards us, but an intermediate kind of little suburban, like definitely more urban than where we live. Um, when we hear that they're having overdose, 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 we're like, well, it takes the R5 20 minutes to get from Norristown to Lansdale. So it's we, fucking less than that. I right, right. That. Yeah. It but takes, I'm just saying, yeah, it takes 40 from Lansdale and Norristown's way close. I'm just saying like we, so we know it's coming. So like we pretty much, it's like watching the, the tidal wave come in. It's like, Oh, I see it out there. Oh shit. Here it is. So we, we were seeing it, and we knew, and that's when I would be like, okay, time to load up on Narcan, because it would start out as, like, overdose. And you're like, okay, well, Norristown has one. And then it's, like, as you get closer, it's like, here's another overdose. Then boom, 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 boom. Next thing you know, we're the ones running the overdose calls. So it, in 2014, 2015, it was picking up so, so bad. I mean, it, it, was, it, was, it was terrible. Yeah, when did we live? We lived together 2015 and 16 16. okay yeah yeah yep so 2014 2015 is when it was picking up and i'll tell you the the first time i would say the first time probably the first year i was i was like okay like narcan's great like we're, we're doing everybody we're doing them all a service um family members were so grateful i can't believe this happened to my kid this and that and then you start to hear the same stories over and over and over again and the same fucking people probably and then you're getting the same people and then the parents are making up different excuses and then the patients are giving you the same sob story that you've heard before and i'm just like bill i was here a week ago like what do you mean like you've you've had all this trouble since the last time you overdosed i was like 
you literally told me this a week ago. You you had to be at the hospital for what twelve hours? Like so? Okay, what? How many hours in a week? Seven times twenty four hundred. Was it hundred forty? Hundred fifty four hours? It's been too long right. of a week so, for so me. So you got a, you got one hundred forty two hours, and all of a sudden this trauma showed up again. It's like, bro, like, are you really trying to make a difference in your life, or have you just said, you know what? I love getting high, so I'm just gonna get high. I mean, hey, to each your own. I, yeah. I don't care. Do whatever you want to do, but. But don't drag your family into it. And, and that that's that's the issue. That, that was the hard part for you. That was the hardest part. Like, people ask me, what's the worst thing you've ever seen? It's the effect that heroin has on families and friends. Because it's so much easier. Again, this is my perspective from my experience. I've never used heroin, so I don't know what it feels like. I don't know the grip that it holds on people's lives. But from my perspective, it seems like it's so much easier to give in to the high than it is to take a step back and recognize the love surrounding the individual. And I'm sure anybody listening that, that's had personal experiences, if you're in recovery or if you're still fighting the addiction, I'm sure you, you can kind of say, you know what, that, that is true to some extent. Again, I, I've never experienced, so I don't know, but this is my perspective on the out, from the outside in the thick of the shit looking in. And then I found that I was spending more time with the families, consoling them when a child has overdosed or a significant other has overdosed or a friend to, to the point where when we would give the Narcan, they would be pissed off. They would literally wake up swinging. Like, yo, what the fuck did you just do? Like, you just took away my fucking high. I spent Wait, X- the fucking the the drug pa- abuse? Yeah, 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 oh. yeah, yeah. So the users, the, pa- the people that overdosed. So here I am like, Holding mom's hand, essentially, even though I never, I never hold hands, but I'm essentially like consoling her and saying, "Listen, it, it's it's going to be okay. We're giving the Narcan. The Narcan's going to do its job, as as long as the the individual hasn't been down for too long, where you start to get like a brain injury from lack of oxygen. Um, we call it like an anoxic brain injury, uh, where you're still alive, but you're just you're not circulating blood, so you're you're pretty much a vegetable. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, hey, listen, like the Narcan's picking up. They're starting to breathe better. Look, they're going to wake up in a little bit. And then I'm like. Hey, buddy, can you wake up? And then, boom, wake up, fist flying. So it's like, okay, well, I know I, I ruined your high, but, bro, you were dead. You yeah. were dead. Like, I gave you a chance to get high again, essentially. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, the worst-case scenario. But, like, I gave you a chance to live. Like, I gave you a chance to live. But, like, in their defense, like, they're probably coming out of being dead and not knowing what the fuck is they, going on. They have on. no clue where they are. So, yeah. like, I, like I said, I wasn't I wasn't too cold because I, I was trying to calm them down mm-hmm. and be a little bit, like, empathetic. Like, listen, like, you just went through the world. Like, you were super high. Now you're super low. And guess what's coming next? Withdrawal. So yeah. not only did I take your high away, but now I'm going to make you feel sicker than you've probably ever mentally and physically felt in your life to the point where now you just want to get that next fix because that's going to get rid of the withdrawal feeling. So you, so what I'm getting at here is you don't think Narcan is a good thing? I, th- I Ultimately. Narcan works. Narcan is a good thing to an extent. So I, so it's good. It's like what I say about with girls or guys being platonically friends with girls. It's no with an asterisk. Right. Narcan is good with an asterisk. Right. So we, okay. I am a huge, huge fan fan of there was a county there was definitely one in florida and i believe there was another one in ohio and they were trying to do a three strike you're out policy so and like you get narcan three times and then after that you're fucking after, you're so, fucking so done. This, this is so fucked up I, I don't know how you can regulate it and how you can really track it outside of just saying oh it's this phone number here's this person's information whatever but it's basically like you said yeah so we show up to house one two three on main street mm-hmm for a heroin overdose. Okay, boom, Narcan, 
save your life. Do you want to go to the hospital? Yes, no, whatever. Here's a refusal form. Carry on. Stay off the drugs. Smoke weed. You sit on the couch. You eat Cheetos. That's it. <laughs> Cheetos puffs. Oh, Let's yeah. go. Cheesy puffs. Mm-hmm. Um, so then call a second time. House 123 on Main Street. Hey, buddy. This is your second time. Like, really ought to think about like getting rehab, whatever you need to do to, to get straight, get off the shit. It's going to kill you. Third time. Okay, this is the last time I'm going to come to your house and give you Narcan. So if you overdose again, you're dead. Sorry, see you later. Now, it's not that extreme, and that is a super cynical approach. So I'm sorry if I offend anybody. That's essentially how this system works. You get three three strikes, and you're you're out. You're fucking done. You're dead. And, and it's almost because I, I don't want to take anybody's – I don't want to belittle anybody's life. I don't want to say your life is not as important as this person's life. But – Here's, here's a scenario where we have the 20-something-year-old um, heroin addict, God bless you, get better, but you're, you're continuing to use and continuing to overdose. So you're not just using to get high. You're using to hit that platonic plateau of this is the greatest thing Fucking in the world. Nirvana. See you later. Yeah. Um, at that same time that you overdose and a family member calls, somebody just got into a car accident, and it's a pregnant, pregnant mother-to-be They've been trying to get pregnant for how many months? Who knows? Break this the soapiest Hallmark lifetime backstory you can think of. But that car accident happened after you called 911 for the fourth time for your son who's overdosed. So it'll take me five minutes to get to the mom that's expecting, and it'll take me six minutes to get to the heroin overdose. But the heroin overdose called first. One person's pretty much dead. The other person is two lives What's more important? How do you say what? Where, where you hit where a do you mo- go? moral conflict, right? Because so, it's like so morally and legally, I'm obligated to go to the first person that needs my assistance. Mm-hmm. So if, if that's I, the rule, that's the rule. So I'm going to the heroin overdose, who's now OD'd for I, I guess I said the fourth time in this scenario. So I'm going to this person's house for the fourth time in however whatever time period. Meanwhile, a young expecting new mother is in a car accident mm-hmm. who has. A, a chance to lose the baby and lose her own life. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to the kid who overdosed the fourth time. Who I've fucking saved his life four times. Four and times. Can't who, who, get who, his shit straight. Who, and again, I'm not taking anything away from his life and how tough his, his heroin is. the value on his is. life. Right. Yeah. But it, it's like, if if I have both decks in front of me, I'm going to help the mother and the and the unborn child. Yeah. I, it, it's, it's just who I am. It's who I, who I would, if I can save two lives instead of one who clearly at this point and again, I'm sorry if I offend you. At this point, doesn't give a shit about his own life, mm-hmm. and and they would like, I'm I'm wasting my own time by going there because I could go, I could go closer distance and save potentially save two lives. Yeah, that's really hard to like. It's really hard to like say how you feel or say what the right thing to do is in that situation because again you don't want to like discredit the uh the drug in that scenario like the the drug addict's life because like it's still a human life you know what i mean you have to think about that Absolutely. but then at the same time it's like what the fuck you know what i mean like there's nothing else to say it's like what the fuck dude like that's like it's like when you help your one friend like around the house like four or five times around his house like four or five times or whatever and then you're like hey man can you help me out for a weekend he's like no dude and you like keep doing that and you're like what all right dude how many times do i have to fucking help you and you can't even come over and help me you know kind Mm -hmm. of thing it's like the same scenario so it's like you don't disvalue that friend anymore is disvalue even a word don't care made it up but 
It's my fucking podcast. I was gonna say (laughs) you're good at doing that on this podcast. Yeah, I don't give a fuck. So, but like you know, so it's it's like you can't take that away, but at the same time, it's like you know, but it's hard because because in that scenario, bro, you're pulling all the heartstrings on the left. You know what I mean? And on the right, there are no heartstrings on the surface level. The heartstrings are when you get into the family and this, that, and the other thing. And don't get me wrong, I'm giving one hundred percent. To the person who OD'd. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. not dragging my feet. I'm not, okay, here we go again. Like, I'm going to do everything I can to save this life. Because at the end of the day, this I, is me. This is who I am. This is what I signed up for. So I'm going to save this individual's life. If I have to go to this person's house a fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth time. I'm doing it. I'm going to go just as hard the tenth time as I did the first time. Yeah. But what what pulls you, what kind of pulls at you, what, which really kind of is disheartening, is you're doing all all of this work and putting all this effort in for zero results. And maybe, maybe that's, that's what drug addiction is. And maybe, maybe that's, that's how it affects certain individuals to the fact that they literally can't let go. But there are people who do and people have done it. So it is possible. It, yeah. I mean, look at Sarah. But, she fucking killing it. Dude. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So like, I, I'm not trying to say like, Oh, people who use drugs are bad, but it's like, I got to a point where I felt like I was doing a disservice to everybody else, even though I was doing the right thing. Because you were doing so much shit with drugs. You know what I mean? Well, no, not even that. Like, when I say disservice to everybody else, I'm talking about, like, the family and the friends because it's... As as painful as it's it like is, it's like a cop out. I feel like 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 Narcan's a cop. Like you start, you eventually get to the point where like you feel like it's a cop out. And and what you mean by disservice, where it's just like instead of the family or whatever, like really trying to hone in on this individual to try and get them to be better. Here's Narcan. Here's Narcan. Here here's your way out. Here's your way out. Here's your way out. And it's like it's like having fucking you know an ace in your pocket or what's that uh, cards against humanity where it's like oh, the trump card yeah the trump yeah. card you know where it's where it's just like no matter what like what's the one uh what's the one trump big, card big black cock yeah big black cock yeah, yeah like the, or or um um there's fucking crumbs on the floor or something like that or it's like it's like bread crumbs on the floor it's like yeah, it's yeah. just or a really funny hat like that's a trump card you can yeah. use it on fucking everything so like Narcan's almost like that trump card that you have in the back pocket that you're like here here and it's like is it really helping that individual get better or is it just kind of aiding their addiction yeah you know what so I mean? so i don't i don't want to jump off of because I, I i said something that probably leaves people scratching their heads about me doing a disservice to like the family and the friends um i i want to touch on that before we get back to like yeah. wh- like where like what my opinion is what narcan's led to now but so like we have like family members that I've I've had in the past where they've literally just we show up and they just shake their head they're like I just wish this would all be over. And you're like, "Okay, yeah, like there's rehab." Like, "No, no, no. I don't have a son anymore. I don't have a daughter anymore. Mm-hmm. I wish this was just over." So they're basically like hinting like, "I just need my kid to die so I no longer have to suffer." So you hear that once and that sticks to you. And oh. you're like, holy shit! Like you've heard that before, like basically numerous like, times, oh numerous God. times. So fucking. And sad. and then I've seen that individual overdose on a friend's couch after I've had that conversation with their parents, and the friends like, oh, they're ungrateful mom or ungrateful dad. Da 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 da. I'm like, you, you bro, you know the half of it. Yeah, you don't know. Like so, like there, there's so much manipulation, and I, I think Sarah touched on this a little bit, just like how much like how grateful she is the fact that her parents still love her you know what i mean but like yeah. like 
addicts are very, very manipulative. I mean, for, for those of you who aren't an addict, and again, I'm not, I've never used, I, I can't relate, this is my perspective. It's basically like being given the greatest thing on earth and having somebody take it away from you every time the high wears off. So you just want to keep going back and having it because it's the greatest thing in the world. Like how mm. you guys should all jump on this bus. It's amazing. Um, what's the la- the magic school bus? What's the, what's the lady's name, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Like you get on a school bus riding around with rainbows blowing out your exhaust. Um, <laughs> but like, so you're taking this away from them every time they are given Narcan or they sober up or go to rehab and they want it back. So that's why rehab doesn't work or that's why they get pissed off with giving Narcan. But the families have been so manipulated um, like the, the patients have been so manipulative and conniving and conceiving. Like they just, they hide everything and they, they always figure out a way to take advantage of somebody else because they, they, once they be succumb to, to the greater powers that be of heroin, they don't give a shit about anything. And mm-hmm. all they care about is the next high, the next fix. So it literally, it distances themselves. From Sarah family. literally said the same thing. She's yeah. like, I, there was like a point in my life where I literally did not care about anything besides heroin. Right. Like, and, and that's how strong and powerful that that is. I mean, you, you think about it from, from like the, the microscopic level, like with the, with the neurotransmitters and the synapses, we'll just call it like a puzzle piece, right? You can only put so many puzzle pieces together before the puzzle's full. Well, imagine having a thousand extra puzzle pieces and every time that the pieces that, that, were used wear out boom all of a sudden there's plenty in reserve to just go right there boom 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 so like heroin it loads up that synaptic gap where there's tons of neurotransmitters that are keeping you high with only maybe five i mean obviously this is an exaggeration but to the thousand neurotransmitters it may only be five spots for that drug to hit well the drug's not wearing off until it's used or until it like it's oh, that's a really good it, way to explain exhaust, like is exhausted so like if heroin lasts two hours and your body can process, let's say, I don't know, we're not going to get too crazy. Let's say you process heroin every five minutes, right? Mm-hmm. So for two hours straight, as long as that heroin's in your system, you're keeping up with that high. Now, as soon as you put Narcan in there, boom, you block all the neurotransmitters. So now you have that overload of the, the drug in the system, but you're not getting the benefits of it. So that's why you're getting like the withdrawal. So that's why you have the side effects where you're shaky, you want to throw up, like you're sweating out profusely, like vomiting diarrhea like all the nasty stuff that nobody ever wants to imagine or have to sit through but that's because there's too much drug in the body well guess what happens in 45 minutes narcan wears off and boom the rest of the drug that's in the body is like oh. hey here we are let's play again so then all of a sudden like you, you kind of get like that that weird vicious cycle i keep smacking this mic i'm sorry you get that weird vicious cycle where it's like okay like i'm high i'm not high i'm pissed off oh narcan wore off okay i'm cool but now, now the heroin's starting to wear off. So I got to either get out of the hospital and get another bag or, oh, I got stomach pain, so I need pain meds. Give me pain meds. Keep, and then keep me high. Right. So then, so then it just it spirals. But like, So we kind of went off on a weird tangent. Um, but So coming back to the second part there with talking about heroin or talking about the Narcan, the problem with Narcan now is that it is it, – I don't know anymore, actually, to be honest – it was available on the one local grocery store's shelves, over the counter. Wait, so any fucking slup who's 18 and older, I would assume, yeah, could just go in and just buy Narcan. Yeah, you would walk into the local grocery store. Some and shit that a paramedic can only administer. Yeah. Not an EMT. E- EMTs can now, yeah. Um, oh, now so they like, can. Oh, essentially, damn it, like I thought like I was a, fucking smart yeah, there. Like, like a first responder, um, any police officers, if you get trained in administering Narcan, EMTs, they've been trained now. 
Damn. So, I, but I yeah, so, so cool right basically there. you needed training to give this medication. You needed special training because you had to understand what are the side effects of Narcan withdrawal, right? What, what to expect when these symptoms of the withdrawal start to happen and do you need to intervene medically, like get them to the hospital or whatnot and why it's important once you get the Narcan, go to the hospital because you're going to withdraw. But yeah, training what, for that now, fucking Joe yeah, Blow, now, who's now, 18, can just go yeah, buy it. And, and think about poor mom who finds their kid who she knows is an addict, who knows overdoses. She goes to the local grocery store, loads up the cart with Narcan because she, the last thing she wants to see is her baby die, right? Nobody in their world would ever want to see that happen. But now the son or the daughter knows mom's if, got Narcan. If I overdose, mom's got Narcan. How much, how much heroin can I take? And then, like the, that the, high the, just the, keeps getting pushed the, higher and higher and, and higher and, and higher. And the addict's mind is is so consumed by the high that we've had instances where we've known, like, so the biggest thing now is you're. I don't know. I, again, I I don't use heroin. I don't know. But like, if it's mixed, if it's laced with fentanyl, it's like oh, oh that's fuck. the good shit. And then we had a scare with carfentanyl, which is like I don't even know how many thousands of times more potent than fentanyl, let alone regular heroin. Explain to what people. Because uh, I think I know, but I'm definitely not going to sound... I already sound dumb on this fucking podcast, so I'm just not going <laughs> to do it anymore. What is fentanyl? So heroin is organic to the extreme. It's like poppy seeds, right? So like okay. you, you can grow you can grow the shit to make heroin. You can't grow fentanyl. Fentanyl is made in a lab. It's synthetic. So it was, it was made um, to be a, a different form of pain meds outside of morphine. So we would give... Um, fentanyl for pain management. It's it's phenomenal. It's I think it's 200 times more potent than what morphine would be, but it, it wears off quicker. So fentanyl helps give you that high. It's I don't I don't know what the range of fentanyl to to heroin off the top of my head. Um, I should know this. I completely forgot. But then you have carfentanyl, which is like a hundred thousand times more oh, potent fuck. than than heroin to the point where like if somebody overdosed on heroin laced with carfentanil, you had to wear um, special gloves to even touch the body because it could be absorbed through the gloves, through your skin, and you overdosed to the point where they had firefighters, EMS providers, police officers who would show up to what they presumably thought was just a heroin overdose but ended up being a carfentanil overdose, and now they overdosed. So the people who got on scene first are now – Patient number two, patient number three, however many people showed up to help this individual. How would they over like just from touching them? Just from touching them. No. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Just from touching because they would sweat it out in their pores, and then the, the if they like it I said, the, it could go through the gloves. Even that's how potent the it gloves was. goes into the pores of the fingers, and yep. those all of a sudden, yeah, it's it, and it, they it would was, fucking pass. Like what's happening? Yeah, they so pass they would out. pass out, so their respiratory rate would slow down, so they would eventually stop breathing if it got to that point. But it, it suppresses your respiratory drive, so you, you you breathe slower and slower and slower to the point where like you might be breathing four four times a minute. Like normal is like twelve to twenty. Most people are closer to the twenty range than twelve, but like four times a minute. So that's every fifteen seconds. There's You're, a big snore. Jeez. And and then you wait fifteen more seconds. A big snore. Um. So like so what happens is now with with the with the Narcan being readily available, with mom and dad always having it, and daughter or son knowing oh. Let me push the limits. Let mm-hmm. me see how much more I could take. So this is where I kind of say I'm not a fan of Narcan. That's the asterisk. Yeah. Because with Narcan, you know if it's available, you're not going to die. So you're going to push the limits, and you're going to see how much further can I go. 
Maybe, maybe. Does one... Narcan all like it's a hundred percent guarantee to work? Like you could do the utmost amount of fucking heroin. You fucking shoot them up with enough Narcan, it brings them back to life. It depends how long they're down, but yes. Yeah, I mean it's it's like right. Like so, it's I, a I, fucking layup. It's Michael Jordan in the finals with a layup breakaway for the most part. There's a chance he might yeah, yeah, fucking yeah. trip yeah. on his shoestring. MJ did miss a dunk in the All Star game when he was playing with the Wizards. So like, there is that. Wait, chance. when he was playing with the Wizards, wasn't he like 48? Yeah, Michael Jordan could probably still dunk over this fucking is anybody true. in the league right now. This right? is also true. Um, but so there there is that chance that it doesn't work. Um, it, it's not fully guaranteed. But yeah, so like it, you basically it's your saving grace. It's 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 your fire alarm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like that you pull the fire alarm. Here comes the water out of the sprinklers. Fires out. We're saved. Um, but the, the issue is now that people know, okay, well, I know that there's Narcan. So now instead of taking one bag, which for most addicts is nothing, it's one bag, maybe every 10 minutes for, for some of these serious addicts to where it's like, okay, maybe let me take two bags or five bags, or, you know, I got this whole bundle. I got 15 bags. Let me just take 15 bags. This is great. Like Mm -hmm. I'm going to feel the greatest high ever. And if I die, my buddy's right here. My mom and my dad's going to find me and they're going to give me Narcan and I'll live. Um, and that kind of ties into like the the other issue with with the addiction and with the fentanyl and the carfentanil is when you hear that somebody that you know you're an addict another addict that you know overdosed and died you got to figure out who the hell their dealer is because that motherfucker's got the good shit that that's the stuff that Damn, I want I didn't even think about as that's the addict, stuff that I want as an addict that's what I want that killed him oh well shit give it to me you if would it's think that potent, it would scare someone. You would, but but that's that's how that's the, the, the total drug, dis- disconnect. The drug completely manipulates your mind to where you 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 wouldn't think like a regular individual yeah. would think, right? I like that plug right there. There you go. <laughs> that's fucking. I never even thought about it like that. But yeah, so I mean, after all of these years, no matter what, I'm going to be the greatest fucking paramedic that you could possibly imagine if you overdose. Mm-hmm. But you know damn well. After, and, and most people don't go to the hospital. They don't want to go, and I can't make them. You just sign a refusal form, call back if you need, make sure you got a buddy with you because the Narcan's going to wear off in 45 minutes. Make sure you didn't take too much heroin. But you, you just know, like, I'm, I'm walking away like, what a fucking piece of shit. Yeah. What a piece of shit. And that's the worst thing to say. Like, I can admit, like, that is the worst thing to say. Like, what a fucking yeah, piece like of that, shit. Yeah, the last thing you want to, as like a paramedic, the last thing you want to be, like, tell yourself or say to someone or whatever it you know after walking away from any sort of scene is like fuck that guy or fuck that girl or you know what yeah. i mean like fuck, like you know that's like the last thing you'd be like god damn like that fucking blows. oh I, I couldn't tell you how many times i said i'll see you in an hour really and, and i saw them in an hour really yep because i just knew because like, like i you knew they took so much heroin that when the narcan wore off they just od'd again oh that or i knew that they were gonna go get another fix i just i just yeah. knew it I, yeah. I knew, like you, you can tell, like, like we call them our frequent flyers, our frequent mm-hmm. offenders, the repeat overdoses. And like, it's, it's stuff like that, that dehumanizes individuals mm-hmm. and dehumanizes the way that we look at those individuals to where it's like, man, this drug is fucked. Yeah. And is. the people that get caught up with it, like the, the people who come out of it, who are recovering, I'm like, God bless you. Like you went through it. Yeah, and and you can look shit. back and say like I don't need it anymore, or it doesn't do nothing. Like I know, I mean, 
aside from Sarah, like Sarah's easy example to point to because she's like the model of like, great job, you fucking did it. Yeah, Keep yeah. out the good work. Fucking like, high fives all around. Let's how go. Many, how many people growing up, like, and we went to a big high school. We had what? 1100 kids in our graduating class well we were supposed to have have the biggest graduating class but not all of us made it not not everybody made I it. i made it that's not a, that's not a dig at anyone in this room but but i'm I just saying it. like how many people do we know 1053 by the way 1053 yeah. there it is how many people do we know that were addicted at one point oh my god bro went through how, rehab how many times whatever but now they're in recovery so like it, it touches so many people's lives, and then how? It's probably many people, the same amount of people that I know that have fucking died. And that's what's the next question: How many people do we know that died? I couldn't tell you. So like I, I'm working, or I was working full time in my hometown. So when I was 22, 23, when the hell did I stop working full time? 27. So for six, seven years working full time in my hometown, any time that we had an overdose for a male or female that was within a year or two of my age, I was like fuck who, who is, is it gonna it? be who is it and one of my childhood best friends like my family's like closest family friends um ended up um, becoming an addict and anytime i had somebody who was one year younger than me male overdose my heart dropped because i was like oh fuck this better not be the day that i have to save so and so yeah like i i and like that that just shows you did you ever no thank god and when he when this individual oh, i already said it was a he when he um when he ended up coming back from rehab for the fourth or fifth time. I, I remember seeing him out and I was like, bro, I was like, I got to give you a hug one because I haven't seen you in forever. And two, I need to make sure that like, don't fucking use heroin. Yeah. <laughs> like don't make me have to save your life or have to tell your mother who I am. I used to look up to as one of my own parents. I have to tell her that you died from an overdose. It's like, mm-hmm. don't fucking do that. Don't yeah. do that to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like that, that's the thing that like, it's we. It's easy for us who are are not affected by it on like a personal level, to say like, how could they do this to themselves? How could they do this to their family members? But like, so it's like, don't do this to me. Like, don't fucking leave me. Like, don't kill. Like, you're essentially killing yourself with this drug. Don't yeah. kill yourself. But then for them to be like, mm, heroin, huh? Sounds pretty go, good right now. I can yeah, I can go pick up a bag right now. Yeah. That'd be sick. But like it's just it, it was it was crazy and like I uh, it's died down significantly now anymore, um, maybe one a week maybe. Wow, really? Maybe. Even during the pandemic, I feel like it would get worse. I don't know. I haven't been working during the pandemic. Oh uh, yeah, that's true. That's um, that's an interesting. So it's crazy to think that it, it got worse. I feel like it would get better, just uh, better in quote unquote unquote better. I mean you know, the numbers would go up. It's not better because fucking it's a terrible thing. Hmm. I wonder, I wonder if, uh, there's any correlation to that. Like, because nobody's out doing things or whatnot, <clears throat> you know what I mean? They're like less inclined to use or, you know what I mean? Like you can't go to the bar. I don't fucking know. I don't, I don't do drugs. I'll, I'll tell you one thing the the mental health, the mental state of America is going to be in the toilet when this is all said and done. Oh, I, I, I forget what the numbers were. I was looking, somebody posted a stupid article on some stupid website and it was, uh, it was like Japan has had more suicide deaths this year than deaths from COVID. Oof. And I... it, it's like mothers or like stay at home moms who are forced to stay at home all day with their kids, trying to get them square, trying to take care of their own mental health, only to have their husbands come home and be miserable and like physically abusing them. And they're just like, 
Tall building. See you later. Oh my god! But like that, that just shows you, like when you're quarantined, you're forced to do all this stuff, and like like you said, maybe. I wonder if that's some that's like a level of drug addiction. You know what I mean? Like you you get pushed to a point where you're fucking so lost. I feel like we could go off for fucking two more hours yeah. off of this. I mean, but but you said drug addiction. You know what I mean? So it's it's like is it is the drug like how like you know what I mean? Like like what's addictive? Is it the behavior? Is it the high? Is it the drug itself? So like I think like what we me and Sarah said, and I like I said, I think you agreed with it in the sense that like at the end of the day, I think one it stems from mental health, like fr- from the very very beginning, like as far as getting addicted to a drug such as heroin. I don't think anyone who is firing on all eight cylinders properly is like yeah let me stick myself with a needle filled with heroin or let me smoke it or whatever you could do however you do heroin no one who is functioning normally does that i think there's something that triggers them to want to try that whether that's a gateway drug or whether um, you know, you start to go through some form of depression or, or, oh, or anxiety. I think there's something that triggers that that choice, if we're going to use uh, vocab words here, it triggers you to make that choice. But then, like you said, neither of us have ever, uh, you know, done the drug. So uh, once you've done the drug, we don't know what – we understand chemically what it does, but we don't know what it really does when, once we're actively using the drug and – what mindset that creates for we have an idea of what that mindset is to want to abuse continue to abuse it why do we do anything because we like the way that it makes us feel right yeah like i've said this to you i couldn't even tell you many times i'm not addicted to heroin and you're not addicted to heroin you know how i know that because we've never done heroin yeah so it's like to to say like oh addiction is a disease it's like well Addictive behavior, maybe, yeah, sure. But like, heroin addiction is not a disease. Without me using heroin, I can't sit next to an addict and all of a sudden I'm he's contagious and I caught the disease. You know yeah. what I mean? But like, but like, same with alcohol. Like, my grandfather was apparently a terrible alcoholic, terrible drunk. Like, he almost died working on the farm, fell on like a spike sticking out of the ground, just missed his liver, <laughs> whatever was left with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever was left <laughs> of his liver. But like. Well, you're a terrible alcoholic, too. Everybody is. <laughs> you're, Every, no, shut no, up, man. No, I'm not. <laughs> you just suck at drinking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Actually, he's really good. He just pukes everywhere. Uh, yeah, puker tea. <laughs> um, but, like, my my mom and her sisters, my aunts, they vowed to, like, I'm never going to drink like that ever again. I'm never going to let that happen to me. But, like, I've never seen that, like, firsthand. But, like, my mom, like, she, she'll be like, mm, I used to see your grandfather laying in his own puke. Mm-hmm. I'd come home from work, and when he had two weeks off because they were doing whatever, like he would just be on the chair, just passed out, covered in puke. Like that's how I saw my father growing up. How about you? I'm like, damn. Like I guess I kind of got it good. But like, like if he never would have drank alcohol, he wouldn't be an alcoholic. Yeah. If, if people never, I mean, I, I don't know everybody's story as far as how they get into drugs, but if a doctor never would have have prescribed a pain medication for whatever bullshit injury. It may have been a serious injury, but maybe you didn't need perk thirties. Yeah, but like could have if, gotten away with something fucking yeah. high dose Advil yeah. or something. Like if if you were never given that opportunity to become addicted to that substance, you wouldn't be an addict. So like the only yeah. the only people who are truly born addicts are crack babies. You know what I mean? Like people who were yeah. born from, from a parent who was using while they were pregnant. 
And now they literally can only survive if they have low doses of the drugs. Yeah. To eventually, hopefully, wean them off. But like, it's like for me, like, like yes, ad- addictive behavior, addictive personalities can be super detrimental. I mean, I chew tobacco. It's terrible. Kel yells at me. If Kel, when you hear this, I'm sorry, but my bad. <laughs> it, ma- it makes me feel good. So you talk to somebody who, who uses heroin. Why do you use it? Because it fucking makes me feel good, right? Yeah. So it's like, well, I, I don't want to tell you to not do it because I do shit like that's addictive that makes me feel good. But like, bro, you're going to die. Like, well, what about cancer? I'm like, well, fuck, don't talk about cancer. I'll say the C word. Right. But it's like, Squat up. yeah, right. <laughs> but it's like, we, we, we do stuff because it feels good. So it's like, it, is it really an addiction to the drug or an addiction to the feeling? And so you talk about mental health. So it's like, well, when you're depressed and you drink, why do you drink? Well, because it's a sedative. makes me feel good. Like, I get drunk. I get, like, buzz drunk, whatever. So it's like, well, why do you drink? Well, I don't drink. Well, you're fucking boring. Anyways. Yeah, right. but, but it's like, okay, well, like, so what led you to use the drug? Okay, well, why do you continue to use it? Because it makes somebody feel good. It makes them feel yeah. good. So it's like. And I feel like, and, you know, not to, like, go too, too far off on this, but I feel like when you have the hardcore we're not going to directly relate this to politics as far as calling it the left and the right and that the left thinks this and the right thinks that. But I'm just saying for conversation's sake, you know, you have like the far left that thinks like, oh, no, addiction is a disease. And then the far right that thinks like it's not a disease, you know, it's a choice and blah, blah, blah. I feel like whenever, you know, then there's like me in the middle who's just like, what's up, dude? You know what I mean? It's like, I don't, I think it's kind of like a mixture of both. But like, I feel like if you say that it's not a disease, like we're not downplaying the fact that it's fucking serious. Oh, you no, know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's, yeah, and I feel like when you say the opposite to either the left or right side of the, of this spectrum here of, of what it is, they just think you're downplaying it. If you say it like, you know, someone on the left, they're like, oh, well, addiction's not a disease. They're like, are you fucking serious? You know, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, fucking heroin, such a, it killed my friend. And this, and you're like, okay, like I get it, you know, like whatever. And then on the right side, you're like, no, addictions are definitely a disease. And they're like, no, it's a fucking choice. You're a fucking idiot if you think either way. And you're just like, well, dude, like, you know, we're not downplaying that, you know, a choice is a choice. And we understand that. And we're also not downplaying that this is fucking kind of like a, uh epidemic, as to, as you would say. Like, we're not downplaying it. Like, it's fucking – both of you have the same goal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, both sides – and it's funny how, like, this is just shows how polarizing everything is nowadays. Like, both y'all have the same fucking goal. Like, you want everyone to fucking be better and not do drugs, right? I think collectively we can agree on that. Like, we don't want people dying of drug overdoses, yet we'll just, like, argue about, like, why people get addicted. Like, is that really the fucking problem? Like, we're going to argue about, like, why they get addicted? How about this? Like, or or whether it's a disease or not, let's figure out why they get addicted and we just fucking, you know, exactly. snip, snip the yeah. fucking cord there. You know what, what I mean? Whatever label you want to put on it, it's a fucking problem. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a problem. How do we solve the problem? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, how cool. do we... Call it a disease. Yeah. Don't give yeah. a fuck. Call it a choice. Don't give a fuck. How do we figure it out? You right. know what I mean? Like, well, fucking, technically, yeah, shut like, the fuck up. Like, yeah. it, it's a problem. Like, it's a fucking problem. Let's get it over and done with. Ty, there was a lot more that I actually wanted to talk to you about, but I think that conversation just went so much better than I actually originally anticipated. Um, like I said, I think it was awesome just kind of getting tying back into like, uh, what was it? I think it was, you keep reminding me it was episode four. I think it was. Yeah. Okay. Whatever episode it was. Um, but you know, I think it was really cool. Cool. It's now episode 14, which is funny. So, 
um, tying in 10 episodes ago to get just another perspective on this because that's kind of what we want to do here. We want to fucking open our minds up and just chat about anything and everything and just, you know, be open-minded. So I, I do appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. Uh, Glad to be here. If you want you can plug yourself on any form of social media. I know you uh, went through a stint of not having social media, but you're more than welcome to plug yourself if you would to, like. To be honest, I think I'm the real T price on everything. There you go. Um, but I don't check it. So if if you add me, then wait another month or ten <laughs> before I finally say okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so again, I just want to thank you for coming on. I think this uh, we we probably have you on because I do want to talk about what. I originally intended to have as a second form of book uh, or no second topic. No spoilers, no right? Spoilers. Have your have your pet spayed and neutered. Yeah, <laughs> but as long as uh, yeah, I think I think this was this was way better than I anticipated it. So thank you for that. Um, in the meantime, followers of this podcast, you know what to do: like, subscribe, download, um, and give five star ratings. Feel free to follow me on my. Um, personal instagram which is at yo bob e-y-o-o-o underscore b-o-b and then you feel free to follow the irregular podcast instagram as well we do have a facebook group um where it just gets weird in there have some fun feel free to also email in any questions concerns stories everything else i know i have a bunch that i've been saying that i wanted to read um, and just, it's, um, I suck. That's pretty much all it is. I suck. And I keep forgetting them at my house, but that email is irregular podcast one at gmail.com. And, and feel free to, to write in any complaints or anything about me. I do not get offended. I love discussion. So I, like I said, no spoilers later on when, when I join on another episode, you'll, you'll get to hear a great story about how non-confrontational I am because if you truly have a perspective that completely goes against everything I said, I would love to hear it. I would love to know why you think I'm wrong, why you have a different experience, and how that shaped you to be the person you are. Or like I said, don't even hit me up. Fuck me. I don't care. Whatever. But remember, this is my experience. If you have anything you'd like to say, I'm on the Facebook group. Just shout me out, whatever, and we can have a full-blown conversation for the world to see. That is awesome. We're going to end it right there. We will talk to you guys and girls next Thursday. Love you.